Good morning, everybody. My name is Wendy Irwin. Today's reading is from The Good News According to Luke, chapter 15, verse 1. Listen for the word of God. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes when he comes I've lost it. Can you hear me? friends and neighbors saying to them rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost just so I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance or what woman having 10 silver coins if she loses one of them does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Let us pray. Uh, Lord, uh, often we feel lost. Often we feel alone. Often we feel like we don't have the strength to pull ourselves up. And yet, your promise is that you come to us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, you give us the strength to stand. And you are with us and for us always. Be with us in these human words, and may your living word be heard. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week, we're still up to our ears in Jesus' parables, these short little stories that Jesus tells. The last couple of weeks, we've been, or have been meal-oriented. Last week, the parable was about inviting people who can't pay to our banquet instead of our friends. And the week before, the parable was about going for the worst seat at the wedding banquet instead of the best. And this week, we're back into table etiquette. But this week, the issue isn't where the guests should sit or who you should invite to the party. The issue has to do with the kinds of people Jesus has been dining with, those with whom Jesus shares a table. 
All the tax collectors and sinners, we're told, liked to hear what Jesus had to say. So they showed up as hit at all of his events, and they signed up for all of his workshops. And apparently these tax collectors and sinners and Jesus have really been hitting it off. Because he's taken them out, you know, for kosher wings and a pint. Jesus not only teaches them, he not only preaches for them, he pulls up a chair at the dinner table for them too. So not only is he with them, he receives them as his guests. Some folks, though, some folks don't like the company that Jesus is keeping. The Pharisees and the scribes, the religious authorities, we're told, are posting pics on social media with commentary, ones like Jesus sitting between two shady characters with a, holding up a glass, smiling. And you know, the caption below reads, this guy welcomes sinners and eats with them. And it goes viral. Now, why is this bugging them so much? Well, sinners are folks who've broken the moral law, whether it's for adultery or theft or whatever else. You don't want to welcome sinners because this makes them outcasts. It makes them unclean. I mean, on one hand, to welcome sinners suggests you approve of them and their lifestyles. And the thing about being a sinner is that it's contagious. If you hang around sinners long enough, you're likely to become one. And tax collectors are, in the sense, another variety of sinner. They regularly do business with Gentiles, so they're unclean. But it's worse than that. Tax collectors aren't, you know, your average Canada revenue agent that's assessing your e-return and speaking very nicely to you on the phone when you can actually get through. Um, I knew people would like that. There's so much frustration with Canada revenue these days. That was an easy, cheap laugh. Um, <laughs> but these guys work for the Romans. They work for the foreign occupiers. They collect for the empire through grift, intimidation, and falsification. They squeeze the poor for everything they've got to send it up the chain back home to Rome. They're oppressors. They're betrayers. They're collaborators. You know, these are, if you're familiar with World War, they're the Vichy French. They're not only sinners, they are super sinners. And Jesus is eating with them. The religious leaders here aren't fans of Jesus because he welcomes offenders, outsiders, and collaborators. You don't deal with people like this by hanging out with them. The Pharisees believe in their mind it's better to cut them off, better to isolate them, and maybe they'll come to their senses and amend their ways. It's better to stay away lest you enable them, lest you become one yourself. These people are write-offs, you could say. They're write-offs. Now, of course, to us, these Pharisees look like jerks, right? Of course, we hear a story like this and think, wow, these Pharisee guys are jerks. Those scribes sure are judgmental. If I were them, I'd probably be pulling up a chair with Jesus if I were there. But that's probably not true, if we're honest with ourselves. We've got our own write-offs, too, usually depending on which political tribe we identify with. We who are progressives may be all about 
destigmatizing drug users, but when it comes to conspiracists, not so much. We who are conservatives may be all about fighting cancel culture, but are glad to cancel whomever or whatever when we have the power to do so. And the list goes on. This isn't some both sides argument, it's just an acknowledgement of our human nature. Just stop and think. Who would be the last person or type of person who I'd ever sit down to eat with? Who would I ever, who's the last person I would ever be seen on Instagram with? Who wouldn't you be caught dead with? If you think about that, you might get to the scandal here in what Jesus is doing. We've all got our inner Pharisees. The day we, way we deal with problem people is by cutting them out and writing them off, sometimes with good reason. I mean, a lot of folks, the Pharisees, isolated as sinners, did stuff to hurt their fellow human beings and cause great rifts in society. Sometimes we don't know what else we can do but write people off. But that is what we do. It's simply our human nature. It's our human nature. Jesus, though, Jesus doesn't work like that. Jesus doesn't work like us, usually. In response, Jesus responds to the grumblings of the Pharisees with a couple of parables. Actually, he tells three, the other being the ultimate parable, the parable of the prodigal son. I encourage you to read ahead after today. But we're not going to look at that particular parable. We're only going to look at the very two kind of rapid-fire parables that Jesus tosses out like a couple sticks of dynamite into the crowd. Next slide. Look, Jesus says, which one of you, if your sheep wandered off, if your sheep wandered off, you know that you don't just leave them to their own devices, which one of you wouldn't leave the other 99 sheep behind to go rescue that one that got lost? Then when you found them, wouldn't, don't you just to, wouldn't you just toss them over your shoulders? And when you brought them home, wouldn't you call your friends and neighbors together to celebrate, saying, hey, look, I found the lost sheep. Guess what? Tailgate party, Jesus says. Tailgate party in heaven over one sinner who repents, one sinner who changes his mind and turns to God, rather than 99 who need no Repentance. To Jesus, lost sheep shouldn't be left to their own devices, but gathered up and rescued and returned home with a great celebration. Next slide. Or how about this, Jesus says. What woman who has ten silver coins, if she loses one, doesn't toss the couch cushions looking for it? Which one doesn't crawl on her belly with a flashlight to find it? Who doesn't turn the house upside down until she finds that coin again? Then when she does, she calls everybody around and booms loudly, Hey, found it. Found the coin. Here it is. I'm one-tenth richer than I was five minutes ago. Same deal, Jesus says. Same deal. Angels, party hats, Streamers, 
over one sinner who repents. A lost coin's still silver. The lost are precious and to be retrieved, no matter what it takes. So where the Pharisees and scribes are see dealing with sinners with isolation and rejection, Jesus does more or less the opposite. He seeks him out. He seeks him out, he sits him down, and he pays for dinner. Why? Why would he do that? I mean, Jesus might just be a nice guy, but why? Because Jesus' mission is seeking and rescuing the lost. It's seeking and rescuing the lost, no matter how deeply they've fallen into sin and misery. No matter how badly they've erred and strayed, like a shepherd seeking lost sheep, he brings wanderers back into the fold. Like a woman searching every nook and cranny for a single lost coin, Jesus sees sinners as precious metal, equal in worth to all the other coins in God's eyes and worthy of being retrieved no matter what. And of course, in pointing this out, Jesus is ironically showing the Pharisees to be lost themselves. So rather than writing sinners off, Jesus is the good shepherd who stops at nothing to seek out sinners to gather them in and brings them home to a great celebration. Next slide, please. I've become rather fond of this guy, Daryl Davis. And uh, Davis is a pianist, a rock and blues musician who's played for a lot of the greats, Chuck Berry, Jerry Lee Lewis, Muddy Waters, and B.B. King. He currently hosts a podcast called uh, Changing Minds with Daryl Davis. There haven't been any new episodes in 2022, but I recommend some of the older ones. Davis, though, in addition to being a musician, has a bit of a strange hobby. In his spare time, he hangs out with members of one of the world's most famous white nationalist and supremacist groups. Next slide, please. The Ku Klux Klan. Now, you may notice by this picture that Daryl Davis doesn't exactly look like your average Klan member. I won't fully go into Davis's life story, but it's amazing. But over the past 40 years, Davis has made it his mission to combat racism and extremism and fight the Ku Klux, Ku Klux Klan. As of 2016, Davis had collected 26 robes from KKK members he convinced to quit, including the Imperial Wizard of the KKK in Maryland, causing the group to collapse in the state. And there's kind of an estimated 200 KKK members that have quit because of Davis's work. When asked why he's been able to be so successful, he often chalks his success up to an effective, rarely utilized weapon, communication. <laughs> he meets with Klansmen, he talks with them, and he upends their stereotypes. He convinces them to quit because what they're doing just isn't right and it isn't truthful. But there's another key ingredient, I think, makes this conversation that actually makes the conversation possible in the first place. They quit 
because they trust him. They quit because they trust him. And they trust him, so they listen to what he has to say. And why do they trust him? Because he befriends them. He meets with them, sits down with them, hears their life stories, spends time with them. You might say this guy eats with tax collectors and sinners. This guy eats with KKKers and sinners. They trust Davis because he hasn't written them off. And you know what's brought him his share of grumblers too? Um, sometimes fellow African Americans even. He's been called a, an Uncle Tom or a pawn for white supremacy and an Oreo, which means black on the outside but white on the inside. A prominent activist said, you know, we've worked hard to get 10 steps forward. Here you are sitting down with the enemy having dinner and you're putting us 20 steps back, implying, of course, that he is enabling them and perhaps even guilty by association. But you might say, though, that this guy's like a shepherd searching for lost sheep to bring back into the fold. He's like a woman turning her house upside down, looking for a lost coin. If anyone deserves to be cut off and cast out, it's the KKK. Of course, he doesn't say, gosh, your racism is just peachy. He doesn't avoid challenging them, but he also doesn't shun them. He shows a genuine concern for them and their well-being. He shows them that word that we love so much called Grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Of course, though, Daryl Davis is a Christian. He ain't Jesus. None of us are, but his hood-collecting hobby is a parable that fits well on our shelves beside the others. Next slide, please. Because this is how God works. God doesn't write us off. No, like the shepherd leaving the 99, God comes looking for all sinners where they're at, not to condemn them, but to bring them home. The great preacher and Anglican priest Robert Capon points out that the 99 just persons who are in need of no repentance are actually, that's actually a rhetorical advice, a device because they're not, nor there, have there ever been any persons not in need of repentance anywhere. God doesn't cast us out and comes to us, comes to us only when we mend our ways, but like a woman turning over her house to find a coin, God sees each person as worth finding. This is the radical, radical heart of Christianity. This is the basis for, uh, this is the basis for uh, human rights, period. That each person is worth finding. Like a black man befriending the KKK, God will not stop until every one of our hoods is locked away in his closet for good. God doesn't write anyone off, no matter the cost, even if it means death, even death on a cross, even if it takes going to hell and back to search us out and save us, to set a table for us in the kingdom of God, God refuses to write us off ever. Does this mean that each of us should run out and start befriending the local grand wizard? 
I mean, if you have that particular gift, go for it. Absolutely. But what Jesus is asking for from all of us is repentance. Not to just feel bad about things and guilty and then come up to the altar call to not feel guilty, but to have us turn around to let us have our minds changed, to let the relentlessly seeking love of God change us, to no longer see anyone, any person, from a human point of view, but to see even the worst offender through the human eyes of Jesus Christ. That our write-offs are not God's write-offs. Not even you. Not even me. Not Daryl Davis. Not even his friends at the KKK. And if we do, the promise is that we'll find a willingness in us to eat and drink with those thought to be lost beyond finding. Simply because of Jesus who first found us. For this, thanks be to God. Amen. Please stand for our hymn of the day, The King of Love.